You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everybody, and thank you so much for joining me for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We have a really great show for you this evening. And joining me in just a few minutes is my very special guest uh, calling us from the UK. Her name is Paula Diana. And she is the CEO and founder of the Diana Group, which is the parent company of several startups um, that we will be talking about. She is also an author and an activist and is doing extensive work to help women, um, I'll say, find their voice and, and find their own power in business. Uh, be sure to stay with us. If you're a regular listener, you know to stay with us during the breaks where you'll hear from our watch team of contributors bringing you information um, around your health, education, finance, technology, leadership, and diversity. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you, so please be sure to reach out to us or any of my contributors at womentowatch.net to send a message or uh, provide some feedback on the show. And that is womentowatch.net, women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now I'd like to welcome to the show Paula Diana. Paula, thank you so much for joining Hi. me this evening. Hi, Sue. Thank you for inviting me. It is wonderful to have you. Um, you know, when I was kind of digging into your background and your bio, um, one of the things that struck me about you is the ease and confidence with which you have, um, I'll say, uh, found your mission and, and really determined that it is to fight for women's rights. And uh, I think it's connected to a little bit to your childhood. And I wanted to have you just talk for a few minutes about the uh, what you described as a patriarchal family upbringing. Exactly. It, it is really my mission in life to help other women. Because I experienced on my own skin when I was a child uh, how terrible it can be to be discriminated uh, and uh, to be also treated uh, in a violent uh, way both psychological and also physical. Because, um, yeah, as I wrote, uh, uh, my 
family, original family, is uh, a normal, typical, normal Italian family. And uh, my father was uh, um, older than me. I mean, he and my mother, they had me when they were in their 40s. And he was very strict, he was very conservative. And uh, I was the little girl in the house. I had to do what he wanted me to do. So as far as I was doing what he wanted, he was very nice and sweet. When I didn't do what he wanted me to do, he used to become like a dictator. So he really wanted to force me to do that, starting from small things to bigger things. It was just the fact that I, he had to control me. And uh, of course, I hated that. Uh, I think I have a very naturally very strong and rebel character. So I don't like other people to tell me what to do. And I, I started when I was very young to say no and to refuse to do what my father asked me to do. And, uh, and then the troubles came because he couldn't accept that. Mm. So for me, it was very, very hard to grow up in this kind of family as well because my older brother, he took the example from my father. So he thought it was normal. And my mother, she was used to this kind of family because her father was like this with her as well. Mm. So for her was nothing wrong. And uh, I, I couldn't really have allies in my family helping me. So I really went through uh, difficult periods and I tried my best to keep positive. My friends helped me a lot. And then as soon as I could, uh, when I was 18, I went out to the university in another city and this really saved me. But of course, uh, I also experienced discrimination in the workplace because I had my children very early. I really wanted to create my own family. And so I was writing my CV that I had two children. And when I finished my university with top grades, I couldn't find a job because no one even called me for an interview. This is how patriarchal Italy still is and still was uh, 20, 30 years ago, 20 years ago when I was uh, looking for a job. So again, I, I saw how unfair this was because I thought, you know, it's impossible that only because you are a mother, you can't find a job. Mm -hmm. This is a total discrimination. And then I, I tried to do my best through my book, through my speeches, through my association in Italy uh, to help other women. And also as an entrepreneur, I try to do my best because uh, I, I employ women, especially if they're single mothers, especially if they're mothers, even if they're pregnant. Because I not only I think it's completely wrong to discriminate to mothers, but I think it's also stupid because motherhood is like a master degree. If you are a mother, <laughs> you know how to juggle between different things. You know, you know how to prioritize. Uh, you know how to be fast because you have to do many things in one day and uh, you are the only one who can do that. You are responsible. You really need to earn your money because you need to take care of your family, of your children. So there are multiple factors that actually for me make, you know, uh, a mother a better person, you know, in order to, um, to work for you. And actually, I have to say that uh, my most loyal employees are the single mothers that work for me. Let me ask you, Paolo, what, what do you think gave you the courage to challenge the ideologies of this particular uh, culture and traditions? And, and not only in Italy, but really, it's, it's you know, it's around the world. I think that uh, I was really helped uh, by my studies. 
both at high school. I did a very good grammar school, studying a lot of history, philosophy, and then at university where I was studying political science. I studied a lot of, again of history. I studied history of doctrines. I studied history of religions. So I could really, really dig into the the causes of this discrimination mm-hmm. that is by the way the oldest discrimination that we have in our world not even racism is so old as misogynism it's incredible so the way women are treated since centuries is completely unfair and there is a fear rouge between all these um, all these different cultures so I wrote about this in my book, especially in the part where I talk about religions and traditions. And again, I could understand this only because I had a very good professor, so I could study. That's why study is so important. Education is fundamental, especially for girls. And this is another thing that really hurt me so much, is to know how many girls around the world, they don't have the right to have an education. Yes. You and know what? The- uh, excuse me. We're, we're going to take a, a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you more about your studies um, in history and, and religion and what maybe surprised you the most. And then we'll, we'll talk about your book as well. We'll be sure. right back. Stay with us for Dawn's Ear from Nutrisystem for our CEO Watch and Holly Dowling for our Leadership Watch. Now, the women to watch. CEO Watch. Hi, I'm Dawn Zier with today's CEO Watch. One of my core leadership philosophies is to encourage people to step out of their comfort zone and to embrace change. Now, I'd be kidding you if I didn't say this often is easier said than done, but I will also tell you that it's critical in today's dynamic environment to be flexible, nimble, and willing to reinvent yourself. Change is the new status quo. I remember when I was at Reader's Digest back in 2007 and I was told my role was changing. I was moving from a division president role to being the president across all of consumer marketing, a role that required more of an influential style of leadership in a matrix structure rather than one of direct authority. I remember telling my CEO, Eric Schreier, at the time, no, not right for me. And he said, that's where you're wrong. He told me growth happens when you're willing to step out of your comfort zone. He told me I was a strong division leader and that I liked being in charge, to which I emphatically nodded my head. But then he said, to groom you for the future, you need to develop stronger negotiation and influencer skills, which can be even more powerful. While I reluctantly agreed to give it a try, I was skeptical at best. If you remember my talk about mentors and sponsors several weeks back, Eric is one of those people that believed in it and encouraged me. He was thinking ahead and preparing me for a future that I didn't know would exist. Fast forward to today, and I can say that I emerged from that experience as a smarter, more confident, more empathetic, and more influential leader and negotiator. Having now served on four public company boards, as well as being an accomplished CEO, where your constituents are many, I look back and think how that experience prepared me to be successful in ways that I could not even fathom a decade ago. Since then, I look at change as an opportunity and generally as something that doesn't phase me. From change comes opportunity. Don't be afraid to seize the moment. Carpe diem. Thanks, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier here for CEO Watch. I'll be back next Sunday to talk about ethics and building critical memory muscle. Have a great week. 
Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Hi, everybody. Holly Dowling here with your Leadership Watch this week. And the question I'm going to pose to all of you, what's your definition of success? Yeah, have you thought about it? We don't spend enough time thinking about our own personal definition of success. And recently, just working with a group of leaders at one of my favorite clients that I've been working with for years, I poised that question and said, when have you thought about your own definition of success? And if you haven't, Let's think about it. And one of the key, most powerful things you can do starting today in clearly defining what that is, is what are your values? What matters to you? What do you wake up being energized around? What do you think about that's on your calendar today, this week, or next week that really gets you jazzed and excited? And one of the simplest tools that I would challenge everybody to do right now You don't need anyone with you. Get out a piece of paper, and I call it the 555 challenge. Yep, 555. I'd like you to write down 555, and underneath the first five, what are you going to start saying yes to that brings out the best of you, that brings you joy? The next five, what are you going to start saying no to? What are five things that drain the life out of you, that suck the life out of you, and leave you depleted and depressed? What can you start saying no to? And that might be people as well that you're spending time with. And then the last five, what are five things you're going to start adding to your life that add value and create a better life for you both personally and professionally? So that's your challenge this week, five, 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 five things that you're going to start saying yes to starting tomorrow morning on Monday morning, and five things you're going to say no to, and five things that you can add that make your life better. And trust me, when you do this, magic will happen. Love to hear from you at hollydowling.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks for tuning in. I'm having a wonderful conversation this evening with Paola Diana, an activist, author, and entrepreneur from Italy and the UK. And uh, just before the break, we were talking um, a little bit about your studies in history and religion and traditions. And it is truly fascinating. And I think solving any problem um, is always easier when you know, you know, the beginning, right? And, and, And what started all of it. I want to know what surprised you the most, perhaps, um, in the studies that you've done and and why women have been um, held down so much. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, knowing the origins uh, is fundamental because only when you connect the dots, you can really understand that there is a wrong pattern. And so you can find the way to change Mm-hmm. this pattern, change mm-hmm. the rules, change the traditions. And why not change also the way religions treat women? Because religions, they have to evolve. 
with our society. This is very important, especially for us, for women. So what I found uh, is that uh, in different cultures, in different countries, we had different traditions in the way we had to uh, use some clothes or maybe, uh, you know, protect our body. And they're all connected uh, with the same thing, the control of sexual sexuality, women's sexuality, the control of our body. Because men, they always wanted to control us. 85% of our cultures nowadays, and in the past even more, they accept polygamy for men, but not for women. This is very interesting. Mm. So men, they always felt they could have more than a sexual partner, but they always wanted women to have only one man in order to control them. So I studied uh, the foot binding in China that for millennia is like a tradition that uh, it's a torture that really constricts the foot, actually the feet of these uh, baby girls and it, it ends up to break them in order for them not to be able to walk anymore when they are adults. And this was all because they didn't want women to be, especially women of higher classes, to be independent, to run away, to walk without help. They didn't want them to work. So they only had to stay, you know, sitting somewhere and be like objects in the house. Oh my gosh. When, when, did, have, that, when did that happen? Yeah. Was, that's not something that's happening today. Uh, no, thank God, no, they stopped. But, but they really stopped one century ago. So it's not mm. really so far ago, if we really think about that. And unfortunately, we have other horrible practices that yes. are still in use. Yes. So the foot binding, this is the real name. And it started in 900 before Christ until 1950. So it's really incredible. Mm. It's horrible. Another horrible uh, tradition was the corset. People, they don't think it was so horrible, but actually it was because women were so squeezed into this corset that they, had, uh, they couldn't breathe very well. They had also problems with the ribs. They could have uh, distorted ribs and also they had the constricted uh, organs, abdominal organs. It could also bring death from internal bleeding. So it was not only something, you know, beautiful to see. It was a real constant torture. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, I studied the burqa. The burqa was invented in 1890 in Afghanistan. People think it's more ancient, but it's totally not uh, ancient at all, you know. And it was, um, uh, it was the king who invented this because he wanted to cover the women of his harem. Can you imagine? Because he didn't want other men to look at them because they were too beautiful and he wanted to ha use them sexually. Only, you know, uh, of course, he wanted to be the only one. He didn't want any other competitor. Then we have the horrible tradition of breast ironing. And this is still in use from ancient times. It breaks my heart. It's in use in Central Western Africa, especially in Cameroon. This poor girl's... Uh, they have their breast ironed with these uh, very hot stones. And this horrible practice is made also by her mothers, 
or you know people of their family because they think they're protecting them from possible rapist mm. so they don't want these girls to show their sexuality to have a breast oh and this is why they torture them so much but this is terrible because of course they can have also problems when they grow up because they they don't have you know an or normal breast they have uh, all the hormones and the the glands, the mammary glands, so they're permanently compromised. So it's a very, very bad torture. Then we have uh, the uh, segregation or chupadi. And this, again, is still in use in many countries, unfortunately, from Nepal to Middle East. So from, and the religions are Hinduism, Judaism, completely different ones. But you see, so the religions are different, the countries are different, but the idea is the idea that the body of the woman, especially is connected with sexuality, in this case with the menstruation period, is impure. It's something that has to be controlled. And so these kind of families, these kind of societies, they don't want their girls and their women to stay with them when they have their period. So they send them out, outside the house, and uh, they have to live in hunts or other places, far from the villages. But these are, you know, um, Paolo, we're going to take another break. And, and when we come back, these are all, you know, horrific things that are going on, as you said, in, in different cultures and different countries. I want to talk to you about how we can partner with men um, to achieve change, because it certainly can't be done by women only. Stay with us sure. for our break, and you will hear from Dr. Marianne Ritchie for our Health Watch and Terry McDermott for our Finance Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the Women to Watch Health Watch. From Jefferson University Hospital, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. A volunteer and his golden retriever, Buddy, visit patients at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. Buddy's playful at home, but at the hospital, he's all therapy dog, full of purpose. Buddy saw an 88-year-old woman. His eyes said, hi, I'm here. She started petting Buddy, speaking her native language. Her daughter said, my mom had a stroke and hasn't talked for days. Now she's speaking perfectly. There's growing agreement that animal-assisted therapy may improve the mental and physical well-being of patients. A friendly animal can relieve depression in the elderly or prevent heart disease by lowering blood pressure. 1987, over 400 veterinarians, behavioral scientists, medical doctors gathered at the National Institute of Health to study the healing power of pets for mental illness, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, autism, even chronic pain, and to help prisoners. Pets increase social interaction and emotional comfort. They distract us from pain and distress. They facilitate movement and decrease inertia. These programs are now routine in many medical centers, even intensive care units. Dogs, cats, bunnies, horses, gerbils. The special bond between animals and children can help pediatric patients, especially with a long hospital stay. Concerns? Allergies, animal bites, fear, animal spreading infection. But one pediatrician states, careful planning, the pets vaccinated and bathed, the benefits far outweigh the risks. A child has a greater risk of infection from sibling visits, like chickenpox, flu viruses, than with pets. Personally, I don't need science to convince me. I'm a beagle mom. At the end of the day, I leave the world of grumpy growling. I come home to happy howling. Nothing says love like three happy tails wagging in unison because mom's home. So divas, go out and find some puppy love. And for whatever ails you, Dr. Richie says, take two pets and call me in the morning. 
Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch Finance Watch. Hi, this is Terry, And this is Maggie. And we're from Fortis Wealth. March is Women's History Month, so we'd like to highlight some of the women who have had an impact on the financial world, who have had significant financial success. Maggie, who would you like to talk about? Well, how about Abigail Adams, who was the wife of John Adams and First Lady from 1797 to 1801? According to a book by Woody Holton, she managed the family's finances because her husband was away so much. One story is that John advised her to invest in farmland in 1783, but she invested in U.S. government bonds instead, which brought her far greater returns. Well, that's pretty cool. I recently read about Victoria Woodhull. She was the first woman to run for president of the United States in 1872, And she and her sister opened the first female-owned brokerage firm on Wall Street in 1870. Then there's Muriel Seibert, the first woman to purchase a seat on the New York Stock Exchange in 1967, the only woman among 1,365 men on the trading floor. Bloomberg wrote that Seibert called her Stock Exchange member badge the most expensive piece of jewelry she ever bought. How about Sarah Breedlove? According to her New York Times obituary in 1919, she was the country's first female self-made millionaire. I'm also in awe of women like Janet Yellen, the first woman chair of the Federal Reserve, and Christine Lagarde of France, the first woman to be managing director of the International Monetary Fund. Who else should we mention? Well, there are a few women in finance that I currently follow. Uh, Sally Krawcheck has been recognized by Fortune and Forbes magazines as one of the most powerful women in business. In 2016, she started an online investment advisory firm just for women. I also try to keep up with several women who started some of the first mutual funds focused on impact investing, which is a topic we will address in a future segment. There's so much to talk about, but so little time. Until next week. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Just before the break, Paula, I had asked you what surprised you the most in your studies of, of history and culture and religion um, and traditions. And you shared with us some pretty um, horrific things that have happened to women. And I know what you are about and, and what I'm about is really, you know, how can we help uh, to bring about positive change and, and true impact? And I know that you believe that men we need to partner with um, to open their eyes and have them be a part of the solution. What are some of the things that you believe we can do now um, to to partner with men and have them be uh, a big part of this? 
Absolutely. So I strongly believe that men have to open their eyes as well about uh, the women's rights and the discrimination of women around the world. And they have to help us because we can't change this world alone by ourselves. And there are many men who are very empathic and they understand that this is their mission as well. So what we can do are small things, each of us every day. We can stop our men to abuse women. We can help them to understand that everything matters, even little words, even the way they are aggressive towards their spouse, their daughters, their friends, or their girlfriend. We have to have them as our allies in order to talk, talk in the schools and explain why is wrong when a man acts in a macho way, when a man thinks that he possesses a woman instead of let her free. Because love, it's all about letting the other person free, not possess her, you know, not kill her, not abuse her, not to be aggressive with her. So there are very, very important things that we can do all together. And I strongly believe that this is the time of women. You know, for millennia, the patriarchal system has been based on unfounded myth. But now it will collapse. I'm 100% sure about that. And it will collapse under the weight of education and scientific knowledge. And we will have a new era, the era of women, as I always say, the era of compassion, of empathy, of knowledge, of peace. So we have a different world coming in and a world where also men will feel more, you know, a better, will have a better life and will feel they're more accepted. And because even men, they hate the stereotypes that comes with a macho culture. Mm-hmm. So I strongly believe that only with, the, you know, solidarity and empathy, we can change this culture. And religions, they will follow because society is changing. Women now, finally, they have an education. And especially Western women, they have to help their sisters, the ones who live around the world and they have less rights than ours. So we really have to make an impact. We don't have to close our eyes. We don't have to be indifferent. That's the most important thing, you know, because indifference is very dangerous. You know, it's we don't such, have to wash our hands. Yes, I agree with you. And I think sometimes um, when you look at the problem as a whole, it's very overwhelming. And I think what, you know, what's important is to understand that, that each of us can um, have impact in a very small way wherever we are. Um, one of the things I want to mention that, you know, not only are you working, um, not only are you an activist for women's rights, but you are an, a very successful businesswoman and executive. Um, you founded three companies, Nanny and Butler, Sigilus and Supreme PA. And um, I think yes. your example as a successful businesswoman will have great impact for women in your communities that are looking for ways to perhaps get out from under, um, you know, the the oppression in their own communities. Talk about that a little bit, um, how you see business, women in business having an impact in a positive way. Thank you, Sue. I I think it's fundamental because financial independence really makes a difference. As I say now in my book, Saving the World, work is freedom. So that's why women, not only they have to be educated, but they have to find a job. They have to be successful and have their own bank account, have their own independence, you know, financial independence. 
because everything can happen in life and you can't depend on a man anymore. Seriously, you can't. So I can see when I speak, when I talk, uh, a lot of women, they come to me after and they are inspired. They think, oh my God, if you could do that, especially coming from Italy, where it was so difficult for you, you know, we definitely have no excuses. We have to try. And this is also very important to believe in yourself and always give it a try. Because even if other people tell you, no, it's difficult, you can't do that. I strongly believe that you can do that actually but you have to try keep trying and if you will fall down you have to stand up again and try again and if you fall down again again you have to stand up so this is life life you know it's a constant battle but it's beautiful when you see that you can survive when you see that you actually can succeed that other people with their negativity they can't control you anymore because you're breaking through all these stereotypes, all these old patterns, and you can dictate your own rules mm. and you can be your own boss in my experience. Because of course, being an entrepreneur makes you your own boss. And this is also even more wonderful because it gives you freedom. Can you tell me, uh, you have two young children or, or teenagers, I should say. Yeah, they're grown up, they're 19 grown- and 17. Okay. And tell me about them. Do you have, are they, uh, is it a boy and a girl? Yeah, exactly. The older one is a boy. Now he's at university studying business and finance. And uh, my girl, she's 17 years old and she's doing the IB now. And do you see some of yourself in her? Yes, absolutely. I can see a lot of myself in her. I inspire her every day. That's wonderful. Uh, We're going to take a a one last break. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about um, your philanthropic causes and um, a little bit more about what your future plans are. Stay with us for Mary Manzo and our Tech Watch and Hanadi Shahabuddin for diversity. We'll be right back. This is the Women to Watch Diversity Watch. Peace be upon you all, this is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment. How would you feel if you receive a blank check from a billionaire with your name on it and you were asked to fill out the amount you'd like to cash? Exhilarating, isn't it? Muslims feel this way with regards to what they should expect from God. Quote, I am as my servant thinks I am, so let them think of me as they wish. End quote. What God said here is like an open invitation to all sorts of expectations that will eventually cause the corresponding results. This is easy to do when we're leading our normal life, but specifically helpful and even life-changing in case of distress and unfortunate events like loss of life or other drastic incidents. It's in those moments that we need to hold on to positive thoughts and take a leap of faith in believing that what happened may look awful but is embedded with mercy from within and will breed positive results and bring wisdom and deeper meaning to our life. Just like a bitter medicine may be perceived as a punishment in the eyes of a kid while it has healing to the sick body. Being positive and staying positive despite tragedy is what brings peace and solace to our hearts. Maintaining a state of serenity is a treasure for believers. I watched an interview with a believing mother that lost her husband and 21-year-old son in the recent New Zealand attacks. Her smile and peaceful heart blew me away. 
She is at peace with her recent loss because she has a bigger love in her heart. She has love enough to trump all the hate that invaded her life in an absurd moment. Today's prophetic ethic is expecting good things and staying positive. May we all find the path to a happy and peaceful heart so that we're never sad over what we lost and we're not afraid of what's coming. That is truly what it's like to live the moment in full contentment. Don't forget to connect with me on HanadiSpeaksOut.com. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives. And her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. What drives most successful people I know is a desire to want to make a change and willingness to put the work in to making it happen. With so many incredible, successful young women in technology, I wanted to see what drove them, so I did some research to see what the common threads are. What I discovered is that at the core, though their stories are different, they all have one to tell and feel compelled to tell it. Whether it's due to a personal event or a passion to build on a concept or idea, something inside them said, you can make a difference. Most of what they did started very small as a concept. Take Laura Burrell Paulus. As example, she's a product and strategy advisor and some years ago was inspired while at a water park when she noticed how many children were overweight and felt that there had to be a way to create an app that could help individuals manage their nutrition, whether they were obese or malnourished. Another great contributor is Rebecca Garcia. During middle school, her sister saw she had a talent for technology and sponsored her to attend a summer program at MIT, where she learned her side passion making websites. Garcia later went on to teach at that same summer program. She's now a developer evangelist co-founder of Coder Dojo New York City, a nonprofit dedicated to improve the lives of young children and teens by teaching them web, game, and app development. These women were driven to make a difference and recognized they had a story to tell. It started personal and blossomed out to their communities or professional lives. So I ask you, who among us doesn't want to make a difference or have some sort of story that inspires us or that we want to tell? It takes courage, a willingness to share your ideas and concepts, a mentor, and knowing that life is going to be uncomfortable for a while as you take on new challenges and risks. If you feel you're ready to take next steps in your technology career and need some guidance, drop me a line at mary at pathwayscg.com. I'd be happy to help. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I'm having a wonderful conversation this evening with Paola Diana. She's originally from Italy, and she's based in the UK. She is an activist, an author, an entrepreneur, and a mother. Um, I I brought up your children because I always think that, uh, especially for young girls that have a mother that is really out there um, doing things in a big way, is such a great example. And I wonder, you know, a couple of things. Have you seen any positive change in Italy um, because of the work that you are doing and and what changes would you most like to see for your daughter? 
you are right too. I mean, for a girl having a role model, especially if it's her mother, it's a game changer. So I really hope mothers will feel, you know, empowered from this and they will understand that if they work and if they succeed, they can become better mothers. And uh, I mean, I I know that uh, uh, the difference that we make uh, is constant. It's like a drop, you know. So a drop after a drop, it really can create a river. It can create a sea. Regarding Italy, for 10 years, I I was, uh, you know, funding and I was directing this uh, association, Equal Merit, Pari Merito is the name in Italian. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot of lobby. So we really made an impact. Because I knew from my political uh, background a lot of journalists, so they really helped me to spread the word. And we were also acting in connection with uh, MPs at the time, of course. So when we knew that there were battles to fight for you know, having laws in favor of women, we were acting, me and my association and also other associations that I kind of networked you know with our with my association uh we were just doing a lot of flash mobs a lot of noise you know making good noise in the media in tvs in magazines uh, in order to talk about these topics in order to explain why it was important to, to have these laws and so definitely i'm sure we made an impact and again even if it was a small impact uh, it was worth it You know what I mean? I never thought, oh, my God, I couldn't do something. uh, I should stop. Never, ever. That's why I think each of us, we could have to keep going, keep doing what we want to do. Because it's also karma. You know, I really believe in karma. So I think that if you give all your heart and you try to do all your best in order to make the difference in this life, in order to be the change you want to see in the world, then you will have a better existence in the future. Yes. So it's all connected. Yes, I believe that. And, you know, um, the the title of your book, Saving the World, Women, the 21st Century's Factor for Change, you know, at the end of the day, we all know, realistically, we cannot save the world overnight, but small Mm -hmm. steps help. And I wonder, do you believe women can have a greater impact through business or through politics? And do you have any aspirations to to enter politics yourself? I think we can have uh, the same kind of impact in each sector. And actually, we should do that. And again, this uh, impact should be connected. So we don't need only one woman succeeding. Mm-hmm. We need millions of women succeeding in every sector from university, finance, economy, politics, because all these women linked with the others, they will become a critical mass. And this critical mass will start having a a different kind of power. And our, you know, common empathy and common, you know, care and and sharing values that they will finally, you know, have a different impact. Personally, I love politics. It's my passion. And I, I always thought that one day I could do that. So who knows? Maybe I would do that here in the UK, maybe in Italy. But definitely, uh-huh. this is part of my agenda. Yeah, very good. I hope that you do. I, I can see you having um, a great effect there. And it's tr- I think one of the toughest things for women, I'm going to ask you, you know, to, to kind of help them, they're always struggling to determine wh- where do I belong? What are my gifts? 
what am I best suited for? So whether that be business or politics or education or philanthropy, um, and you've determined your your passion. What would you say to a woman who's trying to figure that out? What kind of questions can she ask herself? The first thing is to not have limits. Because unfortunately, this kind of society, this culture, always tries to put us in boxes. Yes. You know? Yes. They think, oh, you are a mother, and that's it. Uh, you are an entrepreneur, or maybe you are an employee, and that's it. You, so it's wrong. It's completely wrong. First of all, children, they grow. I always say that. So you are a yeah. mother in different ways during your lifetime. That's right. You that's know? right. And yes. It, yeah. And, and plus, you can be everything you want. You know, my example is Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci was a man, but who cares? He could have been a woman. By the way, he was an incredibly gay man. And he was so self-spoken that in that period during the Renaissance, you know, in Italy, he was so brave to tell everyone that he was homosexual, you know, and he had no fear at all. So it was a great example for everyone. And I think we could be the same. You know, he was an engineer, he was an architect, he was a philosopher, he was a painter, a a sculptor, he was everything. He had no limits. Why women can't do the same, you know? And also, you know, we have different periods in our lives. So maybe in one period, we prefer to focus on entrepreneurship. And another period, we prefer to focus on writing books. And in another period, eventually, we want to focus more in philanthropy. Nothing can stop us. I love, so yes, we- I love that, that there, there are different phases. I think women want to kind of... Uh, do it all in the moment that they're in. And you're right. Yeah. There's different times in our lives to do different things. I, I wish we had more time, Paola. And, and perhaps, um, you know, I'll be following your career. and We'll have you, you on again down the road. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your own life story. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you so much to our sponsors for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.